Hey, make sure to check out the pilot episode of my brand new podcast, Honest History. The episode's titled Control Freaks, The Scientific Roots of Progressive Tyranny. It's available right now wherever you get your podcast. Podcast today brought to you by Relief Factor. Relief Factor, if you're feeling pain, get out of pain. At least try to get out of pain. Don't give up. I know you probably tried everything, but have you tried Relief Factor? They have a three-week quick start. 70% of the people who take it go on to order more month after month. Why? I don't know. I wouldn't be taking it. I mean, I take it now because I'm out of pain. If you'd like to get out of pain, try Relief Factor. 800, the number four, Relief. 800, the number four, Relief. Or relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Okay, I I toured the Smithsonian a couple of months ago back in Washington, D.C. And coming here and seeing this display gives you a totally different perspective of what American history was. You get more of the true history here. I did not know that Teddy Roosevelt had been shot. I had no idea that he had ever been shot. And so to see the letter with the bullet holes in it and everything, amazing. I had no idea of that history. I think it was pretty cool being Native American from Chico, California, that they George Washington gave a medal to a Native American. And like, I would have never thought that. In fact, I hated America, didn't pledge. I would stand, but never said it, never put my heart on my chest because I had believed that uh, the government, which some, everybody, you know, people are people, um, destroyed Indians, you know, and they did. It, but at the same time, there was Indians, the code talkers, you know, that that were there. And, you know, as I learn more and more history, it's kind of cool to be like, all right, there's some, there's some people who are fighting for um, Native Americans, you know, black people, Chinese people, Japanese people, all the people that come to America to be an American and to live for freedom, fight for freedom. So yeah, George Washington giving a medal to Native American was, Awesome. I think I feel I feel inspired, empowered, really. You know, uh, kind of a sense of needing to to speak out and to stand for for freedom and, and kind of figure out what my part is in all of this and and, and go do it. Go go to work. Go go to go to battle. Really, uh, like I said, we, we don't know if we're going to win or not, or what the outcome's going to be. But it's it's our duty to to do something, right? Not to stand on the sidelines, but to um, you know, to be a active participant in our in our history and and in, in what we in, in our community. It is really truly amazing. We're here in St. George, um, and we're doing uh, the History Museum, taking it on road to make sure that your kids know the truth this Independence Day about American history. Hopefully, um, we are going to be um, putting it on the road all across America. We'd love to know if you wanted it in your community. And, um, but it is uh, something that I think at this point in our history, we have to decide. And I'm hearing this a lot. People are saying something hit them, you know, and it's, it's weird because it's a different section for everyone. I think when people see the first draft of the Declaration of Independence and then the final draft of the stone copy of it from 1823, 
Um, we've had several people tear up uh, at that. The Black Founders section is remarkable. Slavery is very, very powerful. Abraham Lincoln, the Gettysburg Address, all of these things that you may never have seen before or didn't even know existed uh, are here. And it is, um, it's a wonderful experience. I'm going to be there all day today. I, they don't let me in, but I'm going to sneak in. I've got, oh, I've got plans. Oh, I have plans. Uh, so I will be there uh, today and invite you. I think they sell some walk-up tickets. They're letting more people in. We have more capacity than we thought. We wanted to make sure that it wasn't too crowded, uh, and uh, it's not. So I don't know. There, You might get here, and you may have to wait an hour or something to get in, um, but it's uh, filling it now to capacity, uh, larger capacity than we, we thought we could uh, hold. You can get your tickets also on unitedwepledge.org. Do you think you have enough so. stuff yet? Now, let me rephrase that. Uh, are you still married? Is your wife uh, <laughs> just, just said, you I saw the stuff? How many Tanya is here, and she's been walking around in the museum, and some people recognize her, and they are all like, don't hate him. Don't hate him. I would if I were you, but don't hate him. Yeah. This hey, is, what do you mean you would? What was... I mean, first of all, there's a hundred reasons why they would, but the, I think the main one they're talking about there is the, uh, the purchase of all these uh, historical documents and uh, items, mm-hmm. which are great if you are going to a museum. Like if you happen to be going to the museum, it's a it's a it's a great thing that you've purchased all of this uh, stuff to preserve. <laughs> if you happen if to you're be the married wife, to the guy yeah. who's who's hemorrhaging every cent out of your bank account to purchase it. It's not as fun, I would imagine. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. this is why yeah, well, she's like, you know what? On, let's concentrate get, on the positive. Get, get into the room and start painting, big boy. Okay? Keep yeah, keep your yeah. painting going because that seems to be the only you know, big honestly, thing purchasing all of this. That is, I mean, I do, I paint for two reasons. One, because it lets me escape into another world for a few hours, uh, you know, every day or every other day. Uh, and uh, And the other is because... I got to sell something to, I mean, we're going to be living. I swear to you, if you listen to my wife, we're going to be living under a bridge <laughs> with, uh, George Washington's compass and Abraham Lincoln's, you know, clothing from the day that he died. She's like, mm-hmm. we'll have that in our shopping cart, but we got that going for us. Cause yeah. that's all we'll have going for us. That's her. That's, that's her version. Yeah. I, my version is please come by my art. Right. Please come by my art. Uh, GlennBeckArt.com, I believe it is, by the way. And yes, a lot of it is very yeah. expensive. This is stuff that actually is in galleries. And I've made fun of Glenn for this in the past because when he started actually, painting, have, he sucked really badly. And now he's somehow actually good at this. I have international collectors. Collectors. International collectors. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I would say this. Yeah. I think the normal reaction to someone who hears this, that your art is hanging in a gallery, is like, how does this Hunter Biden-like scam work? Right. And I think that's a normal <laughs> question. There's a massive no, it would difference. Be, I would ask that. Yeah. That's a I, massive in fact, difference, I have I asked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just not in apparently on the scam because I've asked that. How is this not the same as under Biden? Because that's crap. And uh, I mean, but people, I, I think Biden's much better than Hunter Biden, quite honestly. But uh, well, yes. you can see all of the art. We have uh, G. Clay's and we have posters of it and T-shirts of it and the originals. So 
Bring your checkbook if you happen to be rich. Bring right. your checkbook because uh, we're going to milk you for every cent you have. And if you're Just not saying, rich, we're trying to put this thing on the road, right? You could do the you could do the posters, which are very nice and, and reasonably priced. Although I will say, yeah. um, if you think of the difference, essentially, like Hunter Biden's scam uh, was like he comes out with art, and then that fuels a bunch of coke filled, you know, hooker, uh, you know wasted yeah. weekends where yours goes to like george washington's handkerchief like that yeah. like there's some some it's yeah. a, it's sort of well, the same thing name. except less cocaine and more really nerdy documents there is something coming up for sale on july 7th i'm just saying i haven't talked to my wife about it yet <laughs> but i will if i sell some of this art as i am i it is it's like it's a very important, important piece. I don't even want to tell you what it is. Um, I'll tell you when I get it or if I don't get it, what it was. It's really important. And uh, that's what all of the money goes for. So you know what the number one bestseller is here? What's the best-selling item we have? Mm, no, what? Dark Future. It's the new book, ah. and it's out in two weeks. You can get it now, signed or unsigned, uh, right here. Yeah. Right here, really big shoe. And it's better to get it unsigned because it's actually uh, worth more. Can I, can I tell you something? I have, seen, <laughs> I have seen them, old books on eBay, and a non-signed book will be, you know, I don't know, eight bucks. A sign book I've seen for sale for two. <laughs> <laughs> this one's been defaced. <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Live from St. George, Utah, which uh, may I just say from experience this week, bring chapstick. It is so dry here. I, I, I feel like a desert is just going to crack open my face here soon. Um, welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. There's a couple of things that you need to know about. First of all, uh, Donald Trump uh, jacked up the threats um, on Monday and then again yesterday. Says he's going to skip at least the first Republican debate because it's Fox News. And uh, I agree with him. Quite honestly, I think these guys should stop doing these debates uh, with the mainstream media. I mean, oh boy, Stu's looking at me skeptically. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, is look, I don't think Fox's news coverage is perfect by any means, but uh, certainly it's more friendly than the mainstream media as a whole. We're just including Fox News and in, in mainstream media now. Is that is that kind of where where you're going with this? Mm. Kind of. Sometimes that feels that way. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't think that that's always the I case. Think they're, I think they are way off course from where they used to be. Um, and now, I, you know, now it's just I kind of don't trust them. You know, when, when Tucker was there, I knew Tucker was fighting and fighting the, in, uh, the inside and the outside. And now, uh, I mean, who do you really trust over there? Brett Bear? I mean, he's a nice guy. I really like him, but really, he is a Carl pretty, Rove. Yeah. I mean, for Carl Rove, uh, you know, Brett Bear is a is a straight news journalist. So I think does certainly. I mean, I you know, maybe not comparing him to whatever your ideal Fox is, but like compare him to NBC news coverage. I mean, I take Brett Bear a thousand times in a row. Yeah, I would too. 
But yeah. you don't have to settle for that now anymore. No. So I mean, what, what's your vision of too the many sources? Who, who's doing this? Oh, I would take I would take uh, the Daily Wire. I would take um, the Blaze. Um, so something uh, who else? I do think that that. And, that what you're talking about here, because obviously, you know, somewhat that's self-serving, right? We we work for the Blaze, right? Uh, we you know certainly like the Daily Wire. There's a lot of outlets like that. But I, what I think is, yeah, but interesting, I would, take, uh, I would put Glenn Glenn Greenwald and put. I would build a panel mm-hmm. of people that are are going to ask honest questions. Yeah, I, I want honest questions. I don't want gotcha questions. I don't want questions coming from a. Um, any one point of view. I want people who will ask the honest question. I'll ask tough questions. Tucker would ask tough questions. Glenn sure. Greenwald would ask tough questions. Uh, ben Shapiro would. Yeah, and I, look, I, sometimes Fox has done a good job with that uh, in previous uh, debates, sometimes. But I, I would say, like, one of the things that's most interesting to me about your idea here is that what we get out of mainstream media are questions that would theoretically interest their audience. And often that question is, you know, something like, hey, did you really rape E. Jean Carroll in a, at Bergdorf's in 1985? <laughs> and it's like, all right, like, I get that's what, you know, Rachel Maddow's audience probably does want to hear. They, they probably do want to hear about that. But like, I would like to hear like much more, like, I would like to hear from Donald Trump, hey, you know, you're talking a lot about, you know, beating the deep state, right? And and how important that is, one of your main justifications for running. Well, if you're out of office right now, right, and you're saying this election was stolen from you, why didn't you see any of this coming? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you do something when you had the power to do it, right? Like, that's yeah, a question that, like, ask. I think that's something that, like, like would be a real question of like how he's going to govern. What did he miss? Did he miss something? Did did he just put bad people in control? If so, why? Like there's a lot of questions there that about Donald Trump's presidency that might be interesting to a conservative trying to decipher between two conservatives. What what we get from the mainstream so, media is is like a, a, this pitch of why Donald Trump is so evil and why you should pick Joe Biden over him. And I I think there's very little value in a primary for that. So here's what I because I asked Donald Trump that question, and I don't know if it was publicly or privately, but I said, um, deep state, how, how did that how did that happen? And he said, I knew there was powerful forces. He said, I had absolutely no idea how deep it went, but I do now. And look, I mean, I, I think that so, was a reasonable answer. It's a reasonable answer, but I mean, I think it's fair to to worry about that. Oh, I do too. If you're if you're if you're putting oh, someone too. back I, into I, office who missed it last time, like I think that's a that, that's a question. Uh, and I think the same question to go. And I'm not say, saying this to beat up on Trump. He's just the one that everyone knows their story better. I mean, like you could ask the same question about Ron DeSantis. You know, DeSantis mm-hmm. is coming in. He's never dealt with the Washington people like this. Obviously, he was a congressman. But, you know, is he going to be able to perform in this situation? It's a, it's a legitimate question. Ask him about, you know, are you un- a lot of people are uncomfortable with how he's using his power in the state, you know, as a, maybe it's too uh, top down. 
right, for a conservative audience. Let's go back and forth and hear from another candidate who says, you know what, maybe you're doing too much from the from the, the governor's mansion. I'm not these are just examples. You're not saying what right or wrong there, but like, how do you decipher between two conservatives has nothing to do with whether Donald Trump kept documents. Like, I don't care about that. That that means nothing to me as it as it regards to going to try to pick somebody in a primary. Well, I have a feeling that the left feels the same way about those uh, documents. You remember, somehow or another, this recording was leaked. Wow. There's so many leaks. None, none, apparently, uh, on the uh, left that we should either, either listen to or take credible. But so many leaks on Donald Trump. Uh, the, uh, the whole leak was him talking about a plan, apparently, uh, with Iran. And he had the document. And those were one of the, you know, they took those documents away from him because he was being irresponsible with them. Well, guess what wasn't with the documents and guess what wasn't even listed uh, when they charged him? That document. So, wait, we're, we've been arguing about uh, a conversation he had where he said he was holding up a magazine uh, and they don't even have the document? I mean, I would, I would say Amazing. highly unlikely if... If he if they had the document and he had the document, he'd reach over and grab it and say, look at this. But if the document doesn't exist, at least in the file, then you have to go to he shred it, which is now a conspiracy theorist uh, or or what? Yeah. Why are we arguing over this? It's stupid. I mean, and I think, too, this is a situation where it's not like we don't have the murder weapon. We don't have the body. <laughs> right. Like there's we have no idea if he actually killed someone in this murder case, the, the, the document, if the document doesn't exist, who knows? You know, maybe that's that, again, is your conspiracy theory. You're like, you know, you think maybe he shredded it. But if you don't have any evidence of that, what do you have here? Again, I, this story, I think, is just nonsensical. It's got nothing to do with the future of the country. Nothing. This is just a sideshow. A sideshow, yet another attempt to throw Donald Trump out of office when you what you could do to get him out of office which is just beat him right if you're a democrat and you don't want donald trump to be president then win you don't need to they keep trying to do this by some other means and they you know go down these roads do the american people care if the president who who literally was given this document in office to see it instead of having it in front of him just remembers the details that's what we're talking about he would know about this document anyway. He could tell people about it anyway. The question is, does he have it in his possession or not? That's really what we're going to determine the future of this country on. It's just stupid. Uh, by the way, Chip Roy, who we're trying to get on, uh, Chip Roy has come out and uh, said that a number of Republicans don't believe Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas should be impeached over his handling of the border. May I ask, how low is the bar for unemployment uh, or employment at the uh, Biden administration? Because it seems like everyone can get, keep their job and they're all doing fine. What's her name? The White House press secretary. She's awful. She's awful. She's either reading from a book. Why don't you just, zero, just Xerox the book? 
and just hand it to all the reporters. If you're going to read all of the answers, they got them there. They can just flip flip to page nine. That's all she should say. Flip to page nine. Uh, that answer is on page 12. Yeah, I'm not going any further than that. She's awful. Yet everybody seems to love her. Mayorkas. What does the guy have to do? Does he does he have to start does he have to start driving drug cartel members across the border and and have them sleep in the White House before we care? What? No way that would be enough to get him out. Uh, he would remain <laughs> no matter what, which is incredible. Uh, by the way, Glenn, uh, one update on the border situation. You know the whole uh, DeSantis flying people into uh, Martha's Vineyard? It was the worst thing any yeah. governor had ever done in history, and we were all yeah, yeah, yeah. told about yeah. all these awful things. Uh, now there's a new story in the New York Times that the people who did stay, which was a small percentage of them, they booted most of them out immediately, but the people who did stay really enjoying Martha's Vineyard. They've built a nice life there, really liking it. They can't believe this it. This is news? This is news? This, this is, is news? really nice. It's why all of our presidents yeah. build houses I mean, it's there. Really hard. Wow, they just dropped me in you know, one of the greatest vacation paradises of all time, at least in, uh, in America, and uh, hmm, I like it. Yeah. Oh, get that on the front page. That's it's not doing. a surprise. It's not a surprise. Oh uh, however, it should be a surprise to anyone who reads the New York Times who were told this was the, one of the worst things the governor has ever done. And they're, they're making it seem like, oh, well, they put it in the face of Ron DeSantis by enjoying their time in Martha's Vineyard. I don't know. Was DeSantis trying to punish them by pushing, putting them there? He was trying to point out, hey, the burden can't be held by only southern states. And while, you know, these people, of course, are going to enjoy it there. There's no question about it. I, I think this is a great policy no, you for wanna, everybody. Yeah, you want to punish somebody, you clearly send them to Philadelphia or Washington, D.C. Martha's Vineyard is not a punishment. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Timothy Barton is uh, with us now from Wall Builders. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm good, Glenn. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming to the uh, to Liberty Week here in St. George. Well, love being here. Yeah. You and your dad are across the street now uh, doing another um, American history uh, seminar. Yep. And usually when we do these, and prop, maybe it's because of me because I'm such a loudmouth, they last three days. But this is being done in one day. So actually, we were going to do one-day seminars, and we said there's no way we can squeeze three days into one day. So we're doing a two-day seminar. How so are you? Okay. We found the happy middle ground. Okay. Uh, so you're at... Mm, wow, you're at then today you'd be at my part where it gets really, really dark. Correct. Yeah, okay. correct. How are you going to do that? You're so happy. Well, that's the reason I left. It's up to my dad now. I don't yeah. know what he's saying right now. <laughs> I could get back and the whole story's changed. I have no idea. Right. You know, the amazing thing is, and people are seeing this here, backed up by facts. We are a country that is is both Jamestown and uh plymouth absolutely and this is a choice we have this great map that was printed by congress in 1870 um that shows the tree that comes from jamestown which is nasty it's all it ends in treason and murder and death and slavery and the tree from the pilgrims leads to freedom yep. uh and people don't understand the difference between those two and that we have to make a choice every day yep. between those two. Yeah. So it, the map specifically, if people are, are wanting to look it up. It came out in 1888. They look for 1888 map of Jamestown and Plymouth. 
uh, they, they can find that map and it shows the legacy. And, and what's great about even the imagery, it came out of the end of Reconstruction. So as America has gone through the Civil War, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, rights are being restored. At this point, you still have the Union Army in the South enforcing all of those civil rights mm-hmm. before Democrats took over. And, and when President Cleveland comes in and they revoke all of the civil rights laws passed in Reconstruction. But up to this point, they're why showing— did they, Wait, wait. Why did they do that? Why did, why did Cleveland do that? Well, part of what was going on, there was a, a discrepancy in, in the presidency um, leading up to Democrats getting control of Congress again. And, and part of— uh, the, the, there was not enough electoral votes, and this is before Cleveland. Uh, I, I think it was was it Hayes. I'd have to look that up. Which yeah, is really I, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm so overloaded with my Hayes uh, information <laughs> that I can't sort through it fast enough. So. Well, and yeah, we've been studying for a different conversation, and so now right. I'm like, wait a second, which one is this? Uh, but it, you go back that it was a last Republican before Democrats take over, and there wasn't enough electoral votes to declare a presidential winner. So it goes to Congress. And in Congress, it still wasn't really clear that they're still divided of who's going to be the president. And some of the congressmen from the South said, we will we will acquiesce. We'll say, Republicans, you can have the president if you remove the Union Army from the South, because the Union Army is who was enforcing uh, all of these civil rights laws. And, and not everybody in the South was against some of what was going on, but certainly the political leaders. And there was some absolutely racist embedded thoughts in those political leaders oh, in yeah. many of the Southern states. And so they said, we'll give you the presidency if you remove these the, the Union Army from our different towns. But mm-hmm. when the Union Army is removed, they begin revoking some of those civil rights laws that were allowing black Americans to vote. Well, once you have removed the ability for black Americans to vote, there was at that point a lot of black elected officials in southern states, all Republicans. Mm-hmm. But once blacks can no longer vote in those states anymore, all of a sudden Democrats not only come back to power, they have then a super majority coming back with what they're doing. And when they get that power from the South, all of the Southern elected individuals become Democrat again. That's when you begin to see not only Democrats uh, having power in Congress, the the presidency coming back. That's when you start seeing them go back to some of that racist uh, roots where they're saying, right, Jim Crow. This is when that kind of enters. Um, And this is part of the legacy of Jamestown and Plymouth. And and, and even to that map, what's worth noting is when you look at, at where Jamestown and Plymouth are, it shows there are two things uh, that they are rooted in. And in Plymouth, it is built on the Bible. And it's very clearly, there's a book that says oh, yeah. Bible on the side, but Jamestown, it's a coin. We have, hang on just a second, we have downstairs their, uh, uh, their, their letter um, from, uh, uh, or their, their oath that they had to take as a citizen of, of Plymouth, that it's all about God. Yes. All about God. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, really, when you start looking at the historical documents, there's, there's no question at all that these were individuals who were rooted in faith when even we have the first printing of Governor Bradford's journal and, and he identified at times they would spend six to eight hours a day studying the Bible, mm-hmm. that this is who they were. And so it shows in the map that is the foundation of Plymouth. And then it shows the tree growing from there. And Jamestown, it shows that the foundation of Jamestown is a coin on the side that says mammon. And what they were pointing out is, is that some of these individuals, where they had gone wrong, the Bible says, tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And where they went wrong is they cared more about making money than they did about individuals. I think the same thing could be said about Columbus. He's coming over. He's very, very humble. He gets here. He starts to think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be the governor. I can make money. And it goes awry. And he's humbled again. I mean, whenever anyone is pursuing, at least on this land, when they are just pursuing money, 
they're destroyed. Uh, unquestionably. And I, I think this is also part of the dichotomy even in human history, where even with Jamestown and Plymouth, this is, this is not a new thought or idea. Uh, you can go back to the famous novel by Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities, right? This mm-hmm. was always kind of, you have two options and what option are you going to take? And, and America took both options, but it's also worth noting even that, that early 1888 map depicts it very well. The majority of America was far more impacted by Plymouth than they were Jamestown, which one of the things that, that we will illustrate for people when someone says America's evil, we had Jim Crow laws in America. Unquestionably, we had Jim Crow laws in America, but we always ask the question, where do we have Jim Crow laws? Because right now we're sitting in Utah. You know who didn't have Jim Crow laws? Utah. Neither did Colorado, neither did Nebraska, neither. Really, when you start looking at the tree that came from Plymouth and it goes across all of the northern U.S. and spreads into the western U.S., so all of the northern states, the only, the only part that really embraced the Jim Crow laws were the deep democratic south where that racism was embedded in much of their culture. So at what point did the Klan... Um, because we have some stuff down in the we museum do. that is horrifying. Yep. And um, one of them is a little clan card with faces of mostly black, but a lot of whites as well. That basically is a clan killing card. Correct. They would hand them out and say, if you see these people, kill them or call us. Yeah, it was it was the Republican legislature of South Carolina. And in South Carolina, the Republicans, the one fighting for equal rights, well, that was the Republican Party was the party that all of the former slaves, the black people were joining because that was the party of freedom and equality. Right. And it was because really the first platform, the Republican Party didn't have anything like worse for lower taxes. It was all about anti-slavery, which we also have that. So the first Republican platform came out in 1856 and had nine planks. So nine things of what we fundamentally believe Well, seven of the nine planks were against slavery. Mm -hmm. So, right. This is where it's not confusing at all. The Republican Party was against slavery, which also leads into when when Lincoln gets elected in 1860 on the Republican platform. The Republican platform is still absolutely anti-slavery. When he gets elected and, and South Carolina was the first state to secede, South Carolina released what was known as a Declaration of Causes. It was like their version of the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And what they acknowledged is that we know with this new Republican leadership that their goal is to end and emancipate the slaves, end slavery, emancipate the slaves. And we know that slavery is no longer South if we remain in the Union. And so they conclude this Declaration of Causes by saying, we invite all other slaveholding states to join us in forming a pro-slavery confederation. This is where, when people even talk about states' rights, we'd encourage people, go back and read why they actually said they're separating because the political leaders did not argue states' rights. Now, we also make the distinction, not everybody in the South was pro-slavery, just like not everybody in the North was anti-slavery. You had people from New York, as a great example, they were very much pro-slavery, but they were pro-union. Whereas the political leaders in the South, they were so pro-slavery, they said, we don't care about the union, we care more about our slaves. And this is where we would tell people of the 11 states that seceded, five of them released declaration of causes where they are literally saying why they're seceding. And in every one of their declaration of causes, they're talking about slavery being the primary reason they are seceding. Well, you're also you if you look at the Constitution of the southern states, you can't join the secession unless you agree with slavery, will have slavery and agree to expand slavery elsewhere correct i mean so it's it's pretty darn clear and, and what's also worth noting about even the confederate constitution 
it's almost a verbatim copy of the U.S. Constitution, and then they just added several parts they thought would make it better. And the parts they added were parts to protect and defend and expand slavery as new territories would join. That would be a hard time. Did they adopt the Bill of Rights as well? Because I don't know how you square that. Well, that's actually a super interesting question because in the Confederate Constitution, there is no Bill of Rights. Correct. Which is not. Right, which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I have not looked into the conversations they had about not including the Bill of Rights, but absolutely, that would be an interesting conversation yeah. or interesting research. Na, na, na.